Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Hey, Reg, how you doing, sir? happened to this thing why is it all turned around all right here we go <laughs> what happens to this studio <laughs> anyway all right are we ready i am let's do this thing no uh beating around the bush let's just uh, jump right in all right put it in the books 360 episode 360 360 we always love Episodes with fives and zeros at the end. They're so important. All right, 360. A complete turnaround, right? That's a complete revolution. Not a revelation. A complete revolution. 360. Right back to where you started from, right? 180 is on the other side. That's opposite. A lot of times people get mixed that up, Reg, so make sure you understand that. 360 is a complete revolution. 180 is the opposite. So if you say, oh my gosh, it's, 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 a, it's completely different. It's, it's a completely 180 degree difference. Don't say 360 because you're back to where you started. It's, that's a complete revolution. Just trying to give you some hints. All right? All right, here we go. <laughs> I'll give you the uh, three S's in the countdown to give you the music. I'll give you episode 360. Here we go. Star, smile, strong. Three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain Pod. Whoa, what happened there? (laughs) We'll get this one day. Here we go. (laughs) I'm so glad no one hears how many times we have to do this over again. Thank God the tape is not running during this part. They only hear the official... Once that music starts, so that's good. All right, here we go. I sound like uh, Jeffrey Tambor at the beginning of uh, Larry Sanders. Everybody ready? Okay. Now there's a sign up there that says applesauce. No, no, that means applause. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Three, three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain Podtastic. Welcome to another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. Guess what's waiting for you? Those dulcet tones of Elton Jim. Scores of podcasts. Just waiting for you to listen to and to binge on. But listening, well, it's important. I'd say that's a good, you know, 85, 90% of the deal, but there's a little extra for you to do a little extra. To get out there and tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody who listens to a podcast that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be theirs too. That loyalty, that devotion, 
that get up and go. Oh, it warms my heart. Don't forget, if you like what you hear, go to WGNRadio.com, hit the prompt for podcast, then hit the prompt for this podcast, and my gosh, podcast after podcast after podcast, listen to the past so you know where we're going in the future, and that is, ironically... Right up our alley when we get out of the uh, get out of the box here for episode three hundred and sixty. I always tell you, listen to the, the you know get up to date. This is an ongoing conversation. This is a I, I, I view this as a an audio friendship, and so you know when you get to know your friends well, you often. You know, refer back to things you've talked about in the past. So that happens here every so often. Quite a bit, in fact. It should. That's that's what a conversation is. That's what an ongoing dialogue is. That's what a friendship is all about. So I always urge you, if you have the time, you're gonna especially here in the summer coming up here, spring and summer, you maybe you're doing some outdoors things, a little more outdoorsy. Uh, working out in the yard, taking walks, working out in gym, whatever it is, wherever you do. If you got some free time or you need some time where you can multitask and listen to help the time go away or go faster, hey, go to WGNRadio.com and, uh, and listen to some Elton Jim podcasts. Can't go wrong there. That's, that's 100% USDA choice podcast entertainment. We've got the good good housekeeping seal of approval for podcasts. I don't know if you know that. I used to I used to I used to brag about that. I haven't said that in a while, but that is true. Good housekeeping seal of approval of podcasts. That's a pretty big deal. So, you know, that's 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 a little validation. But I always tell you go back and listen because you never know when something I've talked about in the past may pop up again. <laughs> I never expected it to pop up this fast. As in a week later. <laughs> you know, sometimes I'll see, you know, I'll, there's be there's something I talked about a couple of months ago, 3 or 4 or 5 or 6 or 7 8 months ago, maybe even a year ago, and I have a little update, or something occurred again, and you, you, you refer back to that. And but you all, I always try to add some new information to it. It's not like a rerun, although I do love reruns. I can still watch Andy Griffiths and, and Honeymooners. <laughs> I've seen those things literally millions of times. But I don't do reruns here. But if I do refer to something back uh, in a former topic, I always it's it's because I've got something new to add to it. It's not just a rehash. I may tell a story one or I might retell a story again, but but it's been a while since I ta- told it or it does relate to something new. I always try to keep things as fresh as as possible. But wow, this this isn't even fresh. This is still raw. This is like this is like if you're baking bread, this is we're in the we're in the dough stage here. This isn't this this Update isn't even in the oven yet. 
hasn't even begun to, you know, I don't even know if the yeast has risen. This one is so raw. This we might just be putting in the draw into the we went right at this point we might be adding the dry ingredients into the mixture to start the dough. That's how far, that's how early on we are. Wow. <laughs> so if you listened to last week's podcast and if you didn't, you don't have far to go. You just go in and it's it'll be the first one listed aside from today's. <laughs> you will not have to dig far to find this one. But this is an update uh, that I did not expect. This is this is a an, a new information to an old topic that I did not expect to do this week. But I have to because it, it I don't even know if ironic is the is the word for it. But wow. So, last podcast, number 359. I just told you at the beginning here, we're at 360. And I know we get all excited when we get a, when we hit a milestone with a five and a zero at the end. I, whatever. It's 360. It sounds impressive. As I was telling Reggie, the producer here before the show, uh, that means 360. That's a complete revolution. Little fact. For the listening audience, if you're in the conversation and you're trying to to say something is the complete opposite of something, do not say that it's 180 degrees difference. No, oops, no, I just made a mistake. No, (laughs) do say, do not say, oh my gosh, it's 360 degree difference. No, 360 gets gets you back to where you are. It's not different. You're right back where you started. If you want something that's the opposite, it's half of 360, 180. So 360, complete revolution. That's why we have a year is 362 days. A complete revolution. Now, it's not exact, right? I mean, you know, but 365 days. Did I say 62? No, 365 days. That's why. It's a complete revolution. So... 180 is opposite. Back where you started is 360. So that's just a little uh, little math for you. That's, that's free of charge, by the way. That's free. That's for you. That's gratis. That's comped. For you, comped. But yeah, so uh, in episode 359, just last week, not only just last week, but on the day it posted, as you know, when you if you're a regular listener, and I just gave you the introduction, every Monday a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com. It's there right in the intro. On the day I posted, well, Andrew actually posted it, also works with me. Reggie helps do the uh, the recording, and Andrew... Uh, helps put everything together, all the different elements together. But he and he posts them. And on the day it was posted, last Monday, April tenth, my topic. Now, don't forget, I I usually record these in advance, a couple of days in advance, so they can be edited and put together and scheduled to be posted. Um. 
but it but it posts on Monday. April 10th is when this one when the last one posted. Episode 359. In that podcast, I talked about jury duty. And basically the idea of jury duty in how it could be a possible in today's TikTok and viral worlds how jury duty could possibly be the new stepping stone to fame and celebrity. Especially if you are on a high-profile case. In the past, juries, for the most part, jurors were anonymous. But there's nothing anonymous in today's attention-hungry, narcissistic world. Everything is shared every especially if you can if there's something that you you do of prominence i mean people post it you know i don't know if you saw this this is how crazy this is a little off the topic but but not so much so last weekend the masters golf tournament was on television and it's one of the most traditional, you know, it's one of the, the, the most popular tradi- tradition-filled golf tournaments in, in, in America. It takes place in Augusta, Georgia. Always gets huge ratings. All the golfers want to win the green jacket that the winner of the Augusta National Tournament gets. So very prestigious, very traditional. It's the it's the golf tournament of the year. And ironically, it's the first one of the year, too, which is kind of funny. Usually a lot of times the one is always, you know, saved for last, right? But the Masters is the official kickoff of the of the golf season. So every a lot of people watching the Masters, even if people don't watch golf. They may watch the Masters just because everybody plays it. For several years, Tiger Woods was always dominant in it. And it has this tradition. It's all, you know, Augusta National Golf uh, Country Club is, is manicured gorgeously. And it's, it's, uh, it's pristine. And, and, and the, way they, the way they shoot it on channel on, on CBS, I mean, it looks like, you know, heaven on earth. So a lot of people watching the Masters. There was one shot during the Masters. You know, there's the, there's the gallery, the people that are standing there watching the, the golfers. And the two leaders at one of the holes were standing next to one another and looking out, I don't know, waiting to go. They were actually complaining about the, the, the twosome in front of them were kind of slow. So maybe they, maybe they were waiting for them to finish. But the two, the two leaders, John Rahm and um, Brooks uh, Kepka, were, sit, were standing next to one another, somewhat. I mean, they're pretty much next to each other. Right next to, right in front of the gallery where the people are. If you ever go to a golf tournament, you can get right up to the, to the golfers in, in, in many cases. You're, you're very close. It's kind of cool. I've been, to, I've been to a couple of golf tournaments many many years ago but it was very cool it was it was neat it, to, to see it and and be there uh i was at the western open that used to be held here in the chicago area in oakbrook uh at butler international golf course uh, golf club and um it was a western open i think uh and it was uh tom watson it was a dr- very dramatic i can't remember what year it was it was in the 80s i think 
uh, and it was very dramatic. It went to uh, went to sudden death. So it was very cool. And I was standing right next to Tom Watson when he was hitting a shot. It was very neat. So, but that's this was long before the internet, right? <laughs> I'm sure I would have taken a picture of that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not above it either. You know what I mean? I, I, but here's how crazy we are with fame now. It's unbelievable. <laughs> and it's and as I said, I think the other day about you know Andy Warhol's famous line about everybody will be famous for 15 minutes. My gosh, how prophetic was that? And that was in the 60s. I wish Andy had lived uh, in, in in you know into the into the 21st century. He wouldn't have been that old. He, he died in his late 50s from a a gallbladder operation. Very unfortunate. He was kind of a sickly guy anyway. He had gotten shot uh in the in the late 60s early 70s so his his health was no was wasn't always perfect and he was always kind of a looked like very thin and sickly guy anyway but um and he almost didn't survive he got shot multiple times by uh one of his entourage people but uh and lost a lot of blood did survive but then he had this gallbladder operation and, and he and he died in the hospital it's a shame because he really that his line about every I mean he he couldn't have seen the the uh the internet but he certainly was a good judge of people and he saw the narcissism <laughs> and my gosh uh that is uh, is fu- on full display now so here's how crazy things get in today's world and how you can become viral. And, and everybody is not, they're not getting their 15 minutes, they're getting their 15 seconds, but they're still getting it. And a lot of times it's pretty women that get it, which is kind of par for the course in many ways. <laughs> uh, you know, our society is still based on that, especially in the world today, fashion. Men and women are obsessed with it. But so here's the two golfers. And you can go on the internet and find this picture, I'm sure. Just type in, uh, you know, Masters. Uh, and I'll tell you, put Texas A&M cheerleader Masters, and it'll come up. Because it turns out, while the two golfers are standing there waiting, they're right in front of the gallery, and right behind them, in the space between their two shoulders is this attractive young woman. She's got dark hair, very pretty woman, and she's got a little master's baseball cap on, and she's kind of just standing there. And, I, and she must have then seen, you know, there must be television. I, I don't know what, what the, the setup is now, but there may be monitors out on the course or people might be watching it on their phones because it was clear that she knew that she was on television. The camera got a shot because it was a nice shot of the two leaders waiting. So they're kind of just standing next to one another. So it was a nice framed shot. And in between the two of them is this, you know, this pretty young woman, completely by accident, but she's perfectly framed in the middle of them too. But so very pretty girl. Well, apparently, um, you know, People, people will, will comment and, and Twitter and tweet on anything today. And so people must have taken a screenshot of this sh- picture 
And uh, and and I'm sure that the cameramen were like, "Well, there's a pretty nice woman. Let's just stay focused on this shot for longer than the usual three or four seconds." Well, apparently the per- the woman's mother is at home watching it because the the girl the woman and her father went to the masters, so the mother sees it and says, "Oh my gosh, that's my daughter and my husband. There's my daughter." I don't I can't remember what her name is, and but apparently she's a Texas A and M cheerleader, pom pom girl or something, on the pom pom squad. And she said, "There's my daughter." And then, uh, and but other people may have noticed her too, and and they did a screenshot and they posted things. And one guy said, "I've only seen this girl for fifteen seconds, and I'm in love." And so. Uh, you know, for at least the two or days or so after you know the, that day of the uh, the final, and then the next day, this and then you know there this she was the, an internet sensation. She went viral for doing nothing but standing, being there at the right place at the right time when this picture of, of the two golfers standing there, and she happens to be standing between them. And you get this, you know, full, these three-head shot, and there's this pretty girl in the background. You should be looking at the golfers. That's the point. But everybody focused on who's the pretty girl in between them. <laughs> well, the pretty girl winds up being a pom-pom girl for Texas A&M, and now she goes viral. And then, of course, the next day, uh, she's on her Instagram uh, and now we got pictures of her all over the place in her pom pom outfit, uh, you know, on, in the Dallas, uh, you know, Texas A and M. Uh, you know, she's at they're at Cowboy Stadium. Maybe they play there. I don't know. She was doing something. She's there. She is. And then she's on Instagram, and now she's all dolled up. You know, this picture that was in the of her at the Masters. She's got practically no makeup on. She's very plain, and she's still once again very pretty woman. But now. The next day, you you know, there's pictures of her. Who, who's who was that girl? You know, behind uh, Ram and Kopka and Kepka. Whoa, you know, big sensation. So then, of course, the next picture you see of her, she's all dialed up, and she's going to try to milk this. You know, now she's going to be an internet sensation. <laughs> Unbelievable. Anyway, back to my real story. I got a couple of stories today for you. So the podcast of last week, April 10th, talks about, I'm talking about jury duty and how with this Donald Trump indictment, uh, people in New York will probably be clamoring to get on jury duty to be on this jury because they will become semi-celebrities for as long as this uh, trial takes place, if it ever goes to trial, because you know darn well the cameras will be in the uh, in the courtroom, and this will be, it's been almost 30 years since we've had an OJ trial, and so the time is right, especially in today's world. Don't forget, in 1994, there, were, there was no uh, uh, you know streaming, the internet was just in its in its infancy in terms of becoming, uh, you know, something uh, ubiquitous in our society. It was that was the early days of the internet? Email was just starting. Uh, so now there was, you know, the, the 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 smartphone wasn't 
going to come around until 13 years later. So that and that was a media frenzy. So could you imagine how things are going to be for this trial of Donald Trump with all the content and media access that we have in today's world? Oh, my gosh. It's not even you. I don't even know. It's not a circus. So they're saying that, you know, can Donald Trump get a free get get a get a fair trial because everybody has a you know everybody not only uh you know knows who Donald Trump is but everybody seems to have an opinion on Donald Trump. So the fear is that even people that hate him will lie to get on that trial because it they they will they will get some kind of fame out of that. The irony is as I tried to point out when we get a jury uh, summons, you try to get out of it, right? But with this Trump trial, people will be lying to, you know, you, you lie to get off of jury duty now, right? You don't want to take the time off of work and, and whatever. But for this Trump trial, given the ancillary fame and celebrity it could bring to people, especially if it's, a, if it's an elongated trial and people see the jury all the time and jurors start to talk about things, especially when it's done. Oh, why did they convict him or why did they find him not guilty? One way, one way or the other, they're going to be interviewed. So those, that, those, that, those 12 parts of the jurors, that's going to be the, the biggest casting, um, you know, actor, you know, celebrity or reality casting call in the history of this country so far. <laughs> People are going to lie to get on it. They're going to lie and sound, you know, usually you try to sound crazy so they won't pick you. Now, if you're crazy, Everybody's going to try to sound as normal as they can, as fair-minded as they can, so that they will get chosen. That's the irony now. So I'm talking about jury duty and and the Trump jury possibly and and juries in general and, and everything like that. Last Monday, April 10th, Podcast is already up on, you know, is out, been posted. It's usually posted at 8 o'clock Central Time, in case you're wondering. But I don't get my mail until the afternoon. Go to the mailbox. Same day, same day as my podcast about jury duty has just been posted, and I even said in the podcast, if you listen to the podcast, if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen. In the podcast, I even say, you know, when you go to the mailbox and you get that jury summons, it always sends a shiver down your spine. And you know it, and I I said this, and you don't, and you know it doesn't even come in a normal sized envelope. It's it's in a square, bigger envelope. You can almost always tell uh, the 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 jury summons envelope. It's a different size. It's 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 bigger. It's square. It's long. Uh, it's not you know it's not a horizontal kind of you know letter size envelope it's a square one and in that corner they've always got you know the secretary of state or whoever is the i don't even know what branch of government you know board of elections whatever it is but it's always just this white envelope with this real dark 
return address thing in the corner there. And I said, oh, when you get that in the mail, you can almost, you almost can tell, even if, if, even if it's hidden underneath several envelopes, you can almost tell, oh, I think I may have gotten a jury summons. I go to my mailbox last Monday, the same day that I just posted this jury duty oriented podcast. I get my mail. It's a nice little stack, the usual junk mail, bills, advertising, marketing flyers. And as I gray, and we have a mailbox in this, you know, that's on the side of the house. And I dig into the mailbox, open the front door, dig in to the mail. Just and I'm, you know, so I'm I'm just grabbing it all, getting it, trying to get it all in one hand as I pull it out. And I bring it in the house and I close the door and I just start to do a quick flip through. And I and I notice this oversized envelope the same kind of envelope that i've been describing here on the podcast just the week before about jury duty summons and it's about the fourth or fifth envelope in the stack and when i flip through to read well who's this letter from oh there's okay that's the phone bill that's the cable bill pop 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 and then I flip and I see the Board of Elections on the front of the envelope. And I could see, as I said, when I pulled it out, it was bigger and longer than the other ones. And don't you know, I got a jury summons. <laughs> Can you believe that? I could not believe it. I'm like, oh, you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> could not believe it. I, that was surreal. It, I, it, I, you couldn't have, it could not have been planned any better. Whenever I don't know what day that thing was sent, but it arrived on the day that I just posted this jury-centric podcast talking about the same envelope that I just got. And the funny thing is that I have been subconsciously expecting something. In fact, uh, when I, you know, at, at the end of the year, you know, I always go, th you know, I, I tell you, I have my... Um, my little day, my daily planner, my hard copy daily planner book. And, and, at, and, and it's kind of a little ritual. At the end of the year, I will always page through. I've even done it a few times here on the podcast, page through every month and sort of do a recap of my year. And, um, and so I do recall last year, and it may have been, early in the year. I'm not sure when now. I, I forget. But I did see it in the Daily Planner from last year, which kind of sparked my memory And because I, I was wondering how long it had been. But I did get a jury summons sometime early last year. And as I say, you know, when you get this, you go, oh, 
Now, I've been on a jury, and, and I don't mind going. I, I, I mean, I, 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 you know, I, I've always been a fan of, uh, of courtroom dramas. I was in the play, 12 Angry Men, about jurors. I went to law school for a year. So I've always, you know, L.A. Law was one of my favorite shows. <laughs> I always like a good courtroom drama. One of my favorite films is Inherit the Wind. I always like a great courtroom drama. Whether it's, uh, uh, you know, you know, few good men, inherit the wind, and justice for all. I wasn't too big. I mean, I, I it's hard for me to. It's really corny those Perry Mason reruns from a long time ago, but I always loved L.A. Law. Uh, the practice was always good. With William Shatner and uh, and James Spader, so I always like courtroom dramas, and I'm sure there's many more that I'm forgetting. But I've always been so you know, so I don't mind going to jury duty. But I did have a conflict; we were going to be out of town, and so uh, I called and to get you know an extension. And at the time, the guy said, "Yeah, okay, no problem. I'll put you back in the thing." and You'll probably get called in six months again or so. So I'm like, okay, fine. I wasn't trying to get out of it for, for reasons that I just wanted to get out of it. I, I, I legitimately had a conflict. I would have gone. So he said, you'll probably get notified another six months. So six months came and went, and I still didn't get the summons. So I was hoping like, well, you know, I mean, once again, I... It's not like I I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't try to, to to duck it, but I still you know it's 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 kind of a nuisance, right? I mean, it's nice, as I said in the podcast last week. You know, you, you, people always try to play up the fact you're doing your con, you know, your your civic duty, and you you you, you sort of get into that feel a little guilty. Yeah, well, maybe I should just go, and you know, at the very least. And like I said, I've gone many times and not gotten chosen. I've gone many times. More, more or less, I haven't. It's not that I hadn't get chosen. I never even got called to go in. The one time I did get called to go in, I did get picked. But most of the time, when I've gone to uh, jury duty, I've sat there for eight hours, and they said, "Okay, you can leave now." I don't even get called in. So I had a legitimate reason. I wasn't trying to get out of it. I wasn't going to be in town. So I was for the. So once the six months was up. And I think it was sometime in middle of or late last year. I've been when I every day I've got when I've gone to the mailbox. <laughs> I've I've been waiting for that oversized square envelope from the Board of Elections, and I've been you know sometimes whew, okay okay all right maybe maybe I'm you know back in the. Maybe, you know, he put me in the thing where it won't, I won't get called for five or six years. Because usually if you do get called, at least you go down there, then you don't get one for, for several years. But this guy said, you you know, I'm giving you extension, so you're going to be called within the next six months. So I thought, well, maybe, who knows? Maybe I got lost and I'm in the other one because I wasn't getting anything after six months. So apparently they don't stay too tight to that six-month window. Because <laughs> I think this is close to... Maybe a year now. 
So I did get the summons, and uh, I will be going. Now, I'm a, I'm a standby juror, so I don't know if I'll even have to go in. Uh, that's kind of a – I, I don't know what the – uh, what determines that, but they tell you that with a standby, if you're a standby juror, uh, that you have to call the night before, and then you they will tell you whether you even need to come in or not, whether they even need you to come in. And a lot of times, the standby jurors, they don't even need you to come in. I don't know what the determination is on that. So we'll see. Uh, but what, regardless of whether I have to go in, and who knows if I'll get called, whatever, but the fact that I got that summons on the day, the day that that podcast posted, oh, I, I just, I, I just, I didn't know. I was like, I was, I, I was taken aback. I was like, are you kidding me? This is crazy. So I thought I would share that with you because uh, talk about surreal. Talk about ironic. You know, it didn't come the next day. It didn't come a week. On the day. <laughs> and then at first I say, well, did they read? Did, did somebody see my podcast and go, wait a minute, wasn't this guy on that list? No, it's, I mean, it came in the mail that day. You know, if our mailman had come earlier, it would have, it could have been, you know, in the mailbox before the podcast even got, <laughs> even got posted. So there's no way that was just a pure coincidence, or was it? <laughs> Before I go on to my next topic, another question. When do you get your mail? And, you know, I, remember, I remember many years ago, you used to get the mail in the morning. So we usually, we don't get our mail sometimes until like 6 o'clock. Isn't that crazy? Is that normal? Are, is that normal for you? I used, we used to get mail by 9, 10 o'clock in the morning, 11, maybe. Now I don't know if there's more if the, if the if the postal carriers have more routes than they used to I don't know but we get our mail very late in the afternoon at least four thirty or five o'clock that's and and sometimes it's even like six or seven I don't even know in in the winter especially we got it at like you know you know it gets dark at five o'clock I mean it would be seven o'clock I'm like how do they even see. It's pitch blackout. How are they seeing the the address on everything? But yeah, I don't know if it's, I don't know how you know. There's been a lot of controversy about mail delivery in the last several years, so I don't know what the um, what the story is. I just know that we get our mail much later than we used to. But wow, isn't that crazy that I got a jury summons on that same day? <laughs> what also I wanted to talk to you about today. Is uh, is something that I never. It never really affected me, and so uh, I either didn't pay much attention to it, or to be honest with you, full disclosure, in many cases wondered how real it all was. And I realize that. It's some with some people it is real and legitimate, especially with young children. I get it. I'm not denying that, but it seems like this. I don't know what happened in nature that this has been this occurring thing for the last twenty years or so. 
What I'm talking about, you may have already been able to guess, is the peanut allergy. Uh, if you have kids, now, once again, I don't have kids, so the, the whole peanut al- allergy thing has never really been a, a, an important part of my life at all. I don't have any allergies. My wife doesn't have any allergies, so we never were concerned with peanut allergies. Now, And I know that some little kids especially have gotten somehow, for some reason, you know, this peanut allergy, which can be at times fatal or very serious, where 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 breathing is is affected, uh, you know, swelling of the of the of the esophagus and the and the and everything else. So I understand there are some people, especially young kids, and it's always scary when young kids have some kind of thing like that. Uh, so of course, over the last twenty five years, it seems this has become a major reality to the point where. You know, some schools will not allow, you know, you to bring in any outside, like for birthdays, for whatever, for example, you know, you used to always bring in cookies or brownies or something for the kids when it was your birthday. I don't know if they still do that. I think I, from what I understand, they don't just because, uh, you know, you'd be bringing something. Well, who knows that little Tommy or little Janie has a peanut allergy and I, you know, or a nut allergy or a peanut allergy and I brought, you know. Reese's peanut butter cup squares or brownies with walnuts, whatever it may be. There's some restaurants, you know, uh, or bars that have peanuts on the counter and they throw the shells on the floor and they have to tell you, okay, just so you know, uh, there is peanut dust in our restaurant because we allow peanuts to be thrown on the floor. You know, that used to be a staple. Many bars and restaurants they would give you the peanuts at the table and you just ate them and threw them on the floor. And for some reason, throwing those peanut shells on the floor was the greatest marketing tool for a restaurant. I don't know what it was, but we loved to eat our peanuts and just throw the shells on the floor. It's just like when you go to a baseball game. You eat the peanuts and you just drop them on, you know, on the concrete and somebody has to come and sweep them up. But that seems like it's okay because it's kind of outside and it's kind of, you know, you know that they're going to clean that up. Uh, it seems more acceptable at a baseball game. I don't know why. It shouldn't, right? What's the difference? But it does. But there was a liberating sense. There was a freedom. When you went to these restaurants, there, there was a, there was a, the, the one, the most, there were was, was several individual kind of independently owned places that did that. I know they're around uh, in Melrose Park, sadly, it's gone now. It was a great restaurant, had excellent uh, Kodiak burgers and good Mai Tais. It was a place called the Comeback Inn in Melrose Park. It's on Lake Street and about, I don't know, maybe 15th Avenue, something like that. Maybe 19th, something like that. Uh, maybe fifth, yeah, fifteenth, I think fifteenth or sixteenth, right on the corner. Great place. It looked like an old lodge. It was called the Comeback Inn. You know, come back in with the two ends, though. They had a big outside. They had a big stuffed bear inside. They had like a big moose head and giant fireplace. And you threw. Then they gave you the peanuts, and you threw the peanuts on the floor. Then there was a there was a chain of restaurants called the Ground Round. 
And that was the place where, you know, that was kind of like the Bennigans of the 70s. And that was another place. Throw those peanut shells. Let's go to ground round. Why? Hamburgers were good. Ground round. That was the whole idea, right? Ground round food, you know, meat, ground beef. But if you're a little kid, oh, you get to throw the peanut shells on the floor. You walk in and you can, and they're crunching when you walked in. And oh my gosh, because, you know, I mean, as a little kid, you're always told, you know, don't, 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 don't throw this. Don't, 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 you know, your whole life is about don't. I think when we're little kids, we learn the word don't before we learn the word mom or dad. Don't, because we hear don't constantly. But here at Ground Round or any restaurant where you could throw the, the peanut shells on the floor, the word don't didn't exist. Do. Go ahead. Oh, what a feeling of, 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 of freedom, of rebellion, of nah, 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 nah. Look at what I'm doing. I'm throwing them on the floor. You, if I went to any other restaurant, you'd be telling me don't do that, but I could do it here. I don't even know if the food was all that good at Ground Round, but oh, the, the, the freedom that was, that was offered at Ground Round was better than any hamburger. I'll tell you that. Throw those peanuts on the floor. Woohoo! It was a simpler time, obviously. That's how kids got their kicks back then. We didn't have Mario Brothers. We didn't have video games. Uh, we did, but they were in the infancy. But uh, you know, so our our big our big pastime, our big fun time out was to go to a restaurant where you could throw the peanut shells on the floor. Now that's fun. We didn't have any Dave and Buster's or Chuck E. Cheese's. There was all these amusement park restaurants. Our big amusement was throwing peanut shells on the floor. Now that was fun. That was entertainment. Didn't need no whack-a-mole. I had a basket full of peanuts. That's all I needed. <laughs> well, anyway. So uh, as an outside observer, once again, not having children, being an outside observer, and hearing all these stories about the peanut allergies, the peanut allergies. Oh, my kid has a peanut. And then it became, it almost became, like in the 90s and early 2000s, like a badge of honor. Oh, well, my kid has a peanut allergy. You know, it almost became like you wanted your kid to have a peanut allergy so that you can, he was special. He needed, you know, he or she needed special attention. Now, once again, I'm not, please, I'm not diminishing the fact that those who do have these peanut allergies, I understand it's a very serious thing. But it almost became like hysteria. And I wonder how many of these kids really did have peanut allergies or did they just want to be in the in crowd? <laughs> but I understand. And, and adults can get it too. And as I said, it's very serious. Breathing, your your throat, it's almost like a bee sting. But it did seem like it came out of nowhere because all I know is when I was a little kid, I never heard of anybody with a peanut allergy. Never heard. No, we, we my, my generation lived on peanuts and peanut butter. Now, I'll be honest with you. I was never a big peanut 
butter guy. I rarely, I you know, this is, I guess it's almost sacrilegious, but I'll be honest. I never really had, unless I was at a friend's house, but in my house, I can honestly say I never made a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in my house as a little kid. Never had it. We never really had peanut butter. The only time I had peanut butter and jelly is if I went to someone else's house for lunch or something, and they all had peanut butter and jelly. Now, once again, I don't know if this has to do with the fact that I was an only child. And my parents, apparently, were not peanut butter fans. So, you know, you eat what's in the house. And when you're a little kid, you know, you don't really do the shopping. You know, you can pick out your cereal and stuff, but, you know. So, and when you're growing up, it's what your parents, you eat what your parents eat. Then as you get out into the world, you start to experiment more and you discover Brussels sprouts and other things. (laughs) So my mom and dad, you know, were were not real peanut butter fans, evidently, because we didn't have peanut butter much enough. We had it sometimes, but not a lot. But my, you know, when I had a sandwich, it was usually, oh, I love cheese. (laughs) I just love cheese. Melted cheese, especially. So, you know, you know but you always had, you know, and we, and, and this, once again, this is the 70s and 80s. So, you know, we had, you know, ham and bologna, you know, and, and summer sausage. I mean, that's, that's what we had. At least that's, that, that's where, that's what a lot of people had in their sandwiches. Now you've got avocado toast, <laughs> you know, and tofu. I mean, it's a whole different world. But back then, you had a ham sandwich, ham and cheese, bologna and cheese. Oh my God, I love. It. How about how about that Oscar Mayer bologna with the little chunks of cheese in it? Oh, that's heaven on earth! Bologna and cheese chunks in a slice. Oh, if there's food in heaven, I hope a big, giant roll of bologna and cheese roll is up there that you could. It's all. I hope. There's a big buffet in heaven, and there's just like a big slicer, a big deli meat slicer. And for me, heaven would just be a big deli meat slicer with one of those loafs or whatever they call it, big hunk of of, of bologna, the bologna with the cheese chunks in it. Oh, whoever invented that, I hope that person has a Nobel Prize of some sort. But yeah, so I was not a big peanut butter guy at all. Now, I I remember my dad, I think, may have liked peanut butter when I'm thinking about it. But I don't think my mom did, and she made me lunch. And so I never really, you know, grew up with peanut butter and jelly. I would have it occasionally, and and I and, when I, and you know when I'd be at grammar school, we'd have lunch at school, and kids, everybody would bring their brand, their brown bag lunch, and I'd see everybody with this peanut butter and jelly thing, and you know some kids every day had peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, but I never. I never even, I never, you know, it, it, it even didn't even, my, all I know is my sandwiches looked like there was something there, man. There's a big, nice, you know, a couple of pieces of ham with some cheese or bologna or, you know, there's some, you know, there's 
Those are substantial sandwiches. There's stuff hanging off the sides. You know, peanut butter and jelly, you can't even tell. Unless you bite into it, you see the little the little stripes. But my, you know, my sandwiches, there was stuff hanging off the sides. Didn't fit the bread. But I must have not even, you know, even though I had these peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and I saw kids eating them every day, it must not have made any real impression on me taste-wise because I never came home and said, Mom, I want peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. They would have bought it for me. but I, mean, I don't know if they still make it, but at a time, I remember in the 70s, they even had a, a peanut butter and jelly mix, like in one jar. It was so popular. It's like, why? Let, let's just, it was split in half. And there was peanut butter on one side. I don't know how the hell they did it. It was a, it was a, it was a, it was a food marvel how they did that. But they had peanut butter and jelly in one jar because it was so popular. But not in my house. We were doing the, the, you know, the Crocus ham and the Oscar Mayer bologna and the Oscar Mayer, you know, summer sausage. <laughs> and the Kraft cheese. Maybe, maybe if you went on a, on, a, on a wild thing, you had a little Velveeta. Ooh. I wasn't crazy about the Kraft, uh, wrapped Kraft singles. Didn't like those. Did not like the Borden singles at all. They were horrible. If you had to give the... The, the pasteurized real bad in the in the wrapper uh, cheese, I would go for the craft one. But I actually liked the cheese that was kind of in a hunk. If you remember that, they had craft cheese that was not wrapped. It was in a it was in a hunk, but it was also sliced, so it peeled off. So cool just to eat that. The, the, you could see the you could see the indentations of where each slice. I don't know how they did that. Another another miracle of of uh, you know American industrial complex. How they made this this little cheese block, craft cheese. They were not ind- individually wrapped singles, but they peeled off. Did you ever have those? They were like post-it notes. It was like post-it note cheese. <laughs> and um, so that one I liked. But uh, anyway. So not a big peanut guy overall. However, once again, if I went to ground round, I for I I I mean I like peanuts. When I go to a baseball game, I'll have a, a bag of peanuts. Mostly because I like throwing the shells on the floor. <laughs> Cuz they're a pain in the ass to to open. Yeah, you know, crack them and there's all But no, when you get to throw them on the floor, it's it's worth the effort. Cuz the pay, you know, the payoff is you get to throw them on the floor. So you got to dig, you got to crack it and open it and get the shell off. It's, uh. But then the payoff is, after all that work, eh, just throw it on the floor. So that, I liked peanuts for the, for the times. It was almost like, for me, peanuts were a novelty. Didn't have peanut butter around the house. Didn't eat it. So peanuts were kind of like a novelty, like almost like a, an extension of toys for me. Because the most of the times I ever ate peanuts, I was in a place where I could throw them on the floor, and for me, that was entertainment. Give me a bad, just, just give me one of those bad little plastic baskets that you know you put that that other you know like when you get a, when you go into some restaurants, they used to have those 
yellow or red plastic baskets and then they would put the parchment paper and then they put the hot dog and the hamburger inside it just give me one of those with some peanuts in it and i'm a happy man one of those little brown bowls they used to make multicolored brown bowls you throw the peanuts in when i was a little kid just give me that and put me in a corner and you won't hear from me <laughs> i'm gonna have fun de-shelling and tossing my peanuts my peanut shells so anyway the pe- the, the, the 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 peanut allergy thing um, I was more an observer of that, not having children, uh, not having any peanut allergies. I was more of an observer of, uh, observer of the peanut allergy thing more than it really being any kind of concern in my life. Now, over the last, this past winter, and now here we are in the spring, but you know, every winter it gets dry. The house gets dry. Right, a lot of people have humidifiers. The house gets dry, and so I don't know about you, but a lot of times, you know, especially depending on the kind of soap you use when to you know use a shower or everything, you know, you you sometimes you know you itchy back. You know, you got the nice little back scratcher there with the little little fake hands. Don't you love those back scratchers? Oh, oh, those things are amazing. Once again, the the what a the easiest, simplest invention. This piece of wood with this fake little fingers, the, the curved little fingers, the little fake hand with the, with the bad little fingers curved in so it will scratch. Who invented that? I hope that guy's in the Smithsonian or that woman. I hope, they're in the, I hope they got some kind of a prize. The simplest darn invention, but oh, 150 years later, it still does the job. That back scratcher had to have been invented 250 years ago. It, I bet you the Egyptians invented it. And whoever invented it, the darn thing still does the job. No frills. Piece of wood with some curved little fake hand on it. Oh, the joy it brings, though. So I was, uh, you know, this, but and so I always have, you know, scratch your back, you're a little dry. Now, this winter in Chicago area, we had very little snow, under 20 inches, I believe. Our usual normal was 40 for a winter. We had 20, so it was a, a very, you know, very low on snow. So I would assume then that equates to, once again, I'm not a weatherman, but I would, I would assume then the fact that we didn't have a lot of snow means we didn't have a lot of moisture in the air, which means it we had a little dry air, which may have accounted for the fact that this year, this winter especially, the fall and winter, I was m- more itchy than usual. Not only my back, I don't know why your back itches, but you know everybody's back, right? They wouldn't have created that back scratcher if the back didn't itch. But I found myself itching on my arms and on my forearms and 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 by my shoulders and even like around my neck you know and i remember it just it happening very gradually but then i noticed it like every day i was scratching and 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 real itch to the point where i mean i there's i was like getting scabs on my forearms cuz i was itching it really itched there wasn't anything visible necessarily, but 
but it itched in my shoulders and my chest. And I was just itching crazily. You know, so then I'm, okay, so then I'm like, well, what the heck could this be, right? So my wife's like, well, you know, you know, uh, maybe it's your soap. You know, maybe your soap, you know. I mean, the thing is, too, once again, and because I actually went to a, to a skin doctor because it was just driving me crazy. And, you know, they basically said, well, you know, because um, then all of a sudden on my forearms, I did see some little bumps. So then I'm like, okay, let me go to a doctor. I must maybe, so I, you know, and they said, well, you know, as you get older, you, you know, you're, I, I never had allergies in my life at all. Never had an allergy to anything. Cats, dogs, what, nothing. No allergies. Zero allergies. And, you know, the doctor said, well, you know, we have to see what this is. Here she gave me an ointment. Let's just try this first. You know, put this on your forearms there. And, you know, if you see these little, because they're like little little bumps. I thought maybe they were hives. I didn't know what they were. They were little bumps. She's like, well, I don't really know. Uh, it could be a variety of things. Could be eczema. It could be, you know, could be hives. Well, you know, let, let's, let's try this ointment first and and see how that works and then if not then we might have to do a little more extensive um examination or maybe you would need to go to an allergist she said because as we get older sometimes our body changes and we get allergic to different things so i was like well okay so thankfully the um with time that ointment would work would get rid of the the uh, the the rash, and it wasn't shingles. I you know it wasn't shingles either, and I've had my my shingles shot. So, um, you know it 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 would go away, but then it would pop up somewhere else. So I, I you know, put it on my forearms and put the ointment on, and maybe a couple of days would be gone. I'm like, okay, great. And all of a sudden, I noticed these little red bumps around my neck or across my chest not a lot but you know but they itched so i put the ointment there and it went away but i'm like what the heck is going on here so i changed soaps and that seemed to help a little but i was still itchy so then I'm like, well, who knows? Maybe it's something that, what am, like, am I eating anything different? So I looked when, you know, because now we all self-diagnose, of course, right? So I went online to see, you know, why, you know, what these little bumps might be and are they hives or something, you know, and peanuts, you know, I'm looking at everything that I eat and I'm like, well, I don't eat that. I don't eat that. I don't eat that. Now I had been eating peanuts, in the shape of some of these kind bars, not peanuts out of a jar. Don't really have, once again, not a big peanut guy like that. But in today's world, with all these little you know snack bars, quote unquote healthy snack bars like kind bars, and these other ones called lar bars, you know, peanuts are, are in most of them as kind of a... Uh, you know, a, a, a stiffening agent to give these bars shape as well as flavor. So I'm like, you know, I'm looking at everything I eat and none of the things that I eat on a regular basis fall into this category except for the peanuts. 
So I'm like, you know, or or and, and also like citrus fruit. So I said, you know, because because for some reason over the last several months, my wife got, was getting on an orange kick. So we were, we were, you know, I like oranges. I don't love oranges, but my wife really got on an orange kick. She likes mangoes and oranges. So she got on this orange kick. So there's always an orange around. So once again, you know, I'm trying to eat healthy. So it's okay if I'm going to snack on something. Let me snack on an orange. So I was eating more oranges than I had usually eaten. I rarely ate oranges at all. But suddenly I was eating oranges a little more regularly because they were in the house. So I'm like, okay, well, you know, I hadn't. And then these, there's these lar bars, which I looked on the back and they did have peanuts as one of the ingredients, I think, to keep the, the shape of these lar bars. I really like those lar bars, but, you know, they, they, they had peanuts in there. And, I, and we also have these kind bars and those are, have a lot with the peanuts. So I'm like, yeah, but I haven't. The only I have, I don't really eat the kind bars all that much. I've been eating the the oranges, and I do. I, I have been eating these lar bars of late, and maybe that's it. So I've been sort of playing around now. I without going to an allergist, I've been trying to see, do I have a peanut allergy? After years of not caring, after years of even scoffing, I mean. My peanut allergy isn't isn't uh, fatal or dangerous in terms of breathing, which could be very serious, thankfully. But I'm I'm getting this this itch. I'm like, where am I getting? The, why am I itchy? Where are these little dots coming from? So, when we went on our trip recently i told you we went to israel and, and egypt i'm like okay well I'm, I'm i won't i'm not gonna bring any i won't have any of those snack bars and uh i'm gonna have different soap so let's see and i have to tell you while i and and it was obviously it wasn't thankfully it wasn't real hot uh there but it's still was much more humid than it was here, right? It was still in the 70s, you know, 70s and, and low 80s when we were in uh, in Egypt. So in Egypt, no itching at all. No itching. Came home within a day or two, itching. So <sighs> now we have a cat too. But I don't seem to be, uh, you know, I'm not, it's not like I have uh, my sniffling. A lot of people I know when they get allergic to cats, they can't breathe, they get congested. I'm not, I'm not having any of that. It's, it's purely a skin thing. So I don't think it's our cat because I'm always, I'm, I'm around her and I've been around her for a while. Now, we, I wasn't around her when we were in Egypt too, so I don't know. But I don't think it's the cat. So now, of course, I'm still convinced. So I'm not. So so then I th- I said, well, let me buy the lar bars and try now. Now that I went, I didn't have that because I'm I'm doing all these experiments on my own instead of going to the doctor. <laughs> so now I'm like, okay, I haven't had the lar bars for 15 days or so, and I really wasn't itchy, and I didn't see those little dots. And I even brought my my ointment with me, but didn't need it. Forearms was not itching, neck not itching, shoulders or chest not itching, back really not itching. So, 
I'm like, let me try. Let me go buy some lar bars and see now. And sure enough, I started itch again. Not as bad, but I itched. It wasn't so much with the with the with the bumps, but I was a little itchy. I didn't go crazy with these lar bars, and I and I certainly did not have any more oranges, so I I cut that out. You know, citrus. So here I am. I'm still, so now I'm finding, now that it's getting a little warmer, we might be getting a little more humid. I'm not as itchy. I'm not getting the, the, the breakouts with these little red dots. So maybe it was just the combination of dry air as opposed to humid air when I was in Egypt and Israel. And maybe it was just a little overly dry this year because we didn't have a lot of snow, so there wasn't a lot of moisture in the air. Maybe the house, because it was like, when I'm not in the house, I'm not itching. So I'm like, is there, is there something in the house? So maybe our house was just more dry than usual, but I'm still leery now of the peanut. I don't know if I trust the peanut. You know, there was something about the peanut from early on in my life. I wasn't a big... Uh, we, the peanut and I were never big friends. I, You know, the irony is, I love Mr. Peanut. In fact, I even have a Mr. Peanut peanut butter maker from the 70s that you would take peanuts and put it in his top hat and you'd crank this thing and it would... It would crush the peanut and make like a, a fake peanut butter out of it. But I didn't like the peanut butter. But I loved Mr. I loved Mr. Peanut. My mom, bless her soul, she kept that thing. And I still have him on our little, uh, our little kind of, uh, you know, liquor cart. I have my Mr. Peanut, peanut butter maker. It's so cool. It's still in great condition. I never used to like the peanut butter, but I loved Mr. Peanut looked so cool with a little monocle and the top hat and the cane. And my mom, I don't know, she must have liked peanuts somewhere when they entertained because I also found she must have been a big fan of the, of the peanut, Mr. Peanut too because we have this cool little bowl, a peanut, peanut bowl with Mr. Peanut in the bottom, a metal little bowl for, you know, for peanuts. And there's Mr. Peanut on the bottom of the bowl. And I have that out too. I love Mr. Peanut. And yet I'm not a big fan of peanut butter, not a big fan of eating peanuts, although I must say, once again, I, I don't know how my brain works and how my appetite works, because not a fan of the peanut, not a big fan of peanut butter, but my favorite candy is Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, chocolate and peanut butter, the greatest combination since Abbott and Costello. So I don't know. So now, you know what? I haven't had a Reese's peanut butter cup in a long time because I'm staying away from peanut butter and peanuts of all kind. And I haven't bought the lar bars. And though so far, I'm not scratching. So uh, these are certainly not <laughs> medically verifiable um, test results. But it seems to me that it might have been a combination of perhaps 
uh, a dry weather being dry in the house, but also I believe that Mr. Peanut, not Mr. Peanut because I love Mr. Peanut, but the Peanut may be a contributing culprit, not the main culprit. So I'm going to see now, I'm going to continue, and I'll, I'll give you an update on this. That's why it's always say, you know, mark this one down, because in a couple months I might give you an update on my peanut allergy hypotheses. So now when it gets, I'm going to wait now. I'm not going to have any peanut-related stuff. And then when we get in the, in, the, in the dead of summer, like in July and August, when it's so humid, I'm going to buy some Larbars, and I'm going to have some peanuts, and I'm going to see what happens. Because if I don't itch and get these little spots, then I would have to think it's not the peanuts. It's the dryness of the house. So then I may need to, you know, get a humidifier, sit over a humidifier or something next winter. I hope... It's just the dryness because as much as I never had a love affair with the peanut, I've had a few dalliances with them. Oh, Reese's peanut butter cups, fantastic. I do miss a Reese's peanut butter cup now and then, but I've been holding off because I want to make these experiments as scientific as possible. So I'll, right now I'm just having fun looking at my Mr. Peanut bowl and peanut butter maker and i don't use it uh, <laughs> um and i'm i'm still in um in 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 the process of doing a uh, a broad series of tests in terms of my peanuts so as it stands right now i'm driving my wife crazy and that's a surprise uh i will just indiscriminately at times um announce Oh, by the way, you know that I do have a peanut allergy. And she just rolls her eyes. Although she rolls her eyes most of the time when I say things. <laughs> so as it stands right now, in my mind, I believe I have a citrus and a peanut butter allergy. I have stopped eating citrus, and I've stopped eating peanuts, and I've stopped scratching. You do the math. And so ends another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. And don't forget to tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody who listens to a podcast that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be theirs too. Your loyalty and devotion are much appreciated. Hope you enjoyed episode number 360. I'm Jim Toronto. I am here on business. I'm only here for fun. You've been listening to Elton Jim's Captain Podcasting from the end of the web to your screen. Oh, bologna and cheese loaf. Oh.